Super Talk Mississippi media production. What if everyone was turning their head to look at you with a brand new Flowmaster exhaust system from Exhaust Pro in Macomb on Georgia Avenue? Cruise in style with Exhaust Pro of Macomb on Georgia Avenue. What is up on a Tuesday evening? I am Brian Scott Rippey. My co-conspirator is Colin Brister. We appreciate you joining us on this Tuesday evening, June 11th edition of the Rebel Report. Um, Packed show to get to. We are on Skype again because I lost my key to the studio. And then now I'm walking through my living room and I found the key. What's up, man? (laughs) We were just talking about this off air and I just found it. (laughs) Your life's an adventure, Rip. It's going to be, a, it's been a, it's been an adventure of a couple of days. We got a pack show to get to, uh, me losing the key to the super talk studio is the like third weirdest thing that's happened to me in the last 48 hours, but, uh, we'll get into that. So we'll get into, uh, Ole Miss finishing up their baseball season. Um, we'll get into some player attrition. So truthfully, what, what I guess we're leaving out here is we recorded this podcast already. Uh, we recorded yeah, it like this four morning. Times. Yes, we did. We recorded it this morning. Um, I was driving back from Fayetteville today, and for any of you who have made that drive, and I'm sure plenty of you have, it's a, it's a hike. Yes, it um, is. So it wasn't like, hey, I'll get up at 6, get back to Oxford, we'll record at 10. Like, that thing's six and a half hours if you're not catching traffic. Um, what so, time did you get back in? So I, I left, what, we I, what we tried our first recording at 8.30, right? Somewhere yeah. around there? Yeah. I was 10 minutes on the road. I barely made it for radio at three today. I hit traffic <laughs> in Little Rock and Memphis. Like, Ooh, it was, I bet you, it's been a long, it's been a I long bet day, you were man. Spectacular on radio today. Just dialed um, in. I was, I was very, uh, I, I drank a Red Bull. I was very, uh, I don't want to say like grumpy, but like I was not taking any shit basically. Uh, <laughs> I, I told the Uber story that we'll get to in a bit. Uh, I was real. I, I got even angrier as I told that a, a second time. I'll tell it a third time on the podcast. Anyway, we got plenty of stuff to get to. We've got the season ending, um, some player attrition since. Um, I don't know if you saw that. Um, Zach Phillips. Is there anything yeah, else? Oh. No, no, that was it. That's what I was referring to. Um, so let's start with the game because it's now 24-ish hours into the rear yeah. view. Ole Miss loses 14-1 to um, in a game that would have sent them to Omaha. I mean, it was a dud in every sense of the word. The whole um, damn thing so, was a dud. Like, the whole regional. Yeah, no, it was. So, I'll break this down into three parts, because this is kind of what we talked about earlier. One, first and foremost, this Super Regional was emblematic of their season in a lot of ways. It was three extremely different, extremely volatile results, where game one was a dud, Game two, from an Ole Miss perspective, game one was a dud. Game two was not. They looked absolutely dominant and then got dominated again in game three. That's really how this season went, right? Like, there were times (laughs) where the offense looked completely elite. You know, there were times where the bullpen carried the team when the offense went away. And, you know, in this game, the offense carried them in game two. The pitching was pretty good in game two. The starting pitching was terrible in game one. And the bullpen and the starting pitching was terrible in game three. There were a lot of moving parts to this team, but I thought it was honestly like, I don't want to call it fitting, but it made sense with how the year had gone. Yeah, sure. And and that that, that like you said, it was emblematic of uh, their season, and it's unfortunate for them. Um, you know, you get one game away from uh, getting to the College World Series and to really not be competitive after what the second inning yesterday. Uh, it's kind of stings. And uh, but 
you know, it just is what it is. Well, Ole Miss didn't get good starting pitching all weekend down at Arkansas. And look, this team, when this team wins, it's because they have good starting pitching. I mean, that, that's been the thing all year. And uh, three games, they really didn't have good starting pitching in either of the three. And you could argue with the way the offense has performed for, let's say, three quarters of the year. It doesn't. It didn't even have to be good. It just had to be adequate. And they didn't get yeah. adequate start. I mean, they got adequate from Nikhazy. And yeah, you know, I could argue no they good didn't. They well. Look, he gutted and gave he, five he innings. guts out now. Yeah, don't. don't but the don't first two runs shouldn't have scored. The first two runs well, shouldn't have scored, and two more of those I'd argue shouldn't have scored because that ball that hung up we talked about that should have been caught. That shouldn't have been a double. Well, fair enough. But anyway, yeah, I would he, say it's he adequate. didn't have his best stuff. No, it was very average, but it was adequate, like compared yeah. to Etheridge and Hoagland. <laughs> it was Cy Young type Oof. stuff. But point. So the second tier of this, the the, the second way I said I'd slice it up is there were a couple of decisions at the beginning of this game made by Mike Bianco that did not help the cause that could have really affected the outcome of the game. And I guess it, I don't know how to describe this because I think in some ways it did, but in the end, it, the, the score rendered it moot. So it, it did, but batting Rhino Lennox second was, was a choice you could make. Okay, so yeah, let's start with the pitching. So Okay. So... Hogan gets through the first inning or whatever with a couple loud fly ball outs. Like they're squaring him up. The ballpark's a launching pad. Like, like I mean, it, 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 he got through it. And then, you know, he runs into trouble in the second. He runs into some bad luck. Dillard should have caught the ball um, that was quote unquote a double. He runs into some luck. Arkansas had taken a two to one lead. He basically, well, long story short, he gets it to it's two outs. Second and third, and Trevor Ezel, Arkansas's leadoff hitter, comes up. The lineup turns over. Opponents, according to the Clarion Ledger's Nick Suss, who figured this up yesterday while we were up there, and I trust him because we I saw it like like I mean he, we're usually pretty good about giving each other accurate stuff. Like when somebody figures it up, like usually someone checks on. Opponents hit six twenty five the second time through the order against Mister God. Yeah, that almost doesn't seem real, does it? No, that, that, like, are we sure that's accurate? I mean, I know it is, but good God. Yeah, could you? But if you think about it, even the, like, he's gotten roughed up a little bit, even in the outings he's given length. And literally, other than the time he pitched against Arkansas in the SEC tournament, was the only time he's really gotten through two times unscathed. Yeah. And, you know, I wondered so, going in if, if, if facing them a third time, because you saw it with Nolan the day before, if, if that was going to be a problem for him. Um, yes, I would agree there. So anyway, he so Bianco lets him face Ezel, which I don't agree with because Austin Miller was up in the bullpen. And Mike Bianco said after the game um, they needed the length. I, do, I don't understand that. You had Phillips. You had Miller. You had Caracy, you had Myers that could have come in again. Like you probably had Roth who would have given you an inning if you if you'd asked. I, I mean, mean, sure, probably not. Like probably not ideal, but your point being, it's Game Three of a Super. Like yeah. you didn't. It's all hands on deck, dude. You got to get twenty seven outs. There's no like sacrifice a couple of runs to get through an inning. Like this is like there is no like quite literally no tomorrow. I know that's a cliche, but I mean that was the case, and so. Yeah, this isn't, and this isn't game two either. Like, like a, a lot of, and I don't mean to get off on a soapbox here, but a lot of times people say, "Oh, well, you got to win today to play tomorrow." Well, that's that's true, but sometimes you have to leave bullets in the tank for tomorrow. There is no tomorrow. Like, like you said, like th- this is it, and and they throw Gunnar Hoagland two plus innings and just get run off the field. So whatever. Like, if you want to, if you want to let him finish the second and let Miller start with empty bases or whatever. 
I guess fine because I mean he could have gotten Izzo out, but he doesn't. So it's four to one Arkansas, which is, feels a hell of a lot different to, than two to one at that point. Even though at that time you're thinking the game's going to be a slugfest because Wicklander looked horrible. Um, so then, but then he trots. Then Ole Miss leaves. Ole Miss left two on base in the first, two on base in the second. And you're like, oh, they probably don't need to get behind here. They're going to be in trouble. But then he drops him back out for a third inning. Oakland issues a base hit and issues a walk, allows a base hit. And then you put Miller on in the game with two on, no out. It's like like you wanted to make it more difficult for the kids. <laughs> it's like, did, so, did the second inning not prove what you needed to see? Yeah, I, I, I didn't understand that. But then here's the part where I'm talking about where it's rendered moot. Because Miller, who had been really good for three weeks, was not good. His successor, yeah. Parker Caracy, was not good. Yeah. It didn't end up mattering. They scored 14 runs in six innings. The game was a farce. But, like, it, that, uh, to me, that doesn't make the decision any less, any more justifiable or any less egregious. It just didn't end up mattering because they didn't yeah. do anything off. And it didn't make it any better from an optic standpoint because I think that's where you're about to go with this. Is yeah. On the other side of it, Ole Miss plates one off Wicklander in the first. Probably, you could argue, could have should have played it more. Um, and then in the second, they had like he runs into trouble again, and Van Horn immediately goes and gets him and puts Cody Scroggins in the game. Like a meet, like after I think it was after one or two guys got on base. I can't remember. Like it was, yeah, it was two. It was it second was inning. It, it was, was in the middle of a count, a two-one count. Yeah, and so whose bullpen was deeper and in better shape at that point? Arkansas or Ole Misses? Because you got it's one coach talking about needing length. Okay, so. I mean, Van Horn's probably not talking about needing length when he's going nope. to yank the kid in well, the second he was talking about He was talking about using Cronin in the fifth, right, in his press conference. Right. Like, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and so that's optically not a good look. But then again, he put Scroggins in. Scroggins, to their credit, I mean, Ole Miss, to their credit, Scroggins and Costi Shock were really good. I mean, they shoved. Like, Ole Miss didn't do anything against them. No. And that's part of why it didn't end up mattering. Yeah. But – I mean, it, it's a whole different deal, man. If if you give Miller the ball 2-1 there, he gets an out. Um, and you go in and hit, and it's 2-1. Maybe you play a run, and it's 2-2. Instead of bringing Miller in with a guy first and second already down 4-1, that's just a different deal mentally, you know? Sure. And that, that's kind of what I was getting at a second ago. Right. And then Miller wasn't great, but even at 6-1 after 3, like I was kind of thinking, like, they're probably losing this game but, like, this ballpark's a launching pad. Like, I didn't think Scroggins would hold up as long as he did. But once it got to 7-8-1 and then they go Costi Shock and Cronin still left, even if Ole Miss kind of does mount a comeback, like, that thing was over. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was. And it, it was unfortunate for them because, I mean, you, you don't really even, you know, you're not even in a competitive contest in there. And that's unfortunate because, uh, I mean, th this was a team that, that a lot of people – pretty much based the uh, the season off postseason success and to kind of come up one game short it's unfortunate for them so that's a decent segue so this game spells the end of the season thank big brain stuff there it spells yep. the end of the careers of pretty much everyone in the 2016 class that was the number one ranked recruiting class in the country i'm trying to think this is game, there anybody left in that recruiting class i mean i'm just saying like if ross like hey i want to start next year and maybe improve my draft yeah stuff. I, I was just thinking if there was anybody i can't i can't was miller in that class uh, no, Miller's a Juco kid, right? Okay, that's right. That's right. I didn't know he's he was a, Juco He was an Iowa class. kid that came in last year, I think. Okay, maybe so. Um, he's he still got a year left, but the more you know. Yeah. You didn't know that? No, no, I thought he was a senior. Wait, then he might have been. I, anyway, it's a point being, the bulk <laughs> of that class, the, the meat yeah. of that class is gone. Yes. So, 
their careers are over, and fairly or unfairly, that game painted, uh, painted, shaped, whatever you want to call it. That canvas was still far from complete, and it was getting complete. A lot of that work was getting completed in that game, fairly or unfairly. Like their oh, legacy yeah. was going to be significantly shaped by that one game, and that's not necessarily fair, but it's just a reality. Yeah, and and no, it's not fair at all. But but I mean, look, after last year, that that's kind of what you got yourself into after losing to Tennessee Tech at home. Um, this was always going to be about one year for this team. And, you know, anything can happen in a one-game scenario. And, and Ole Miss just didn't get it done for whatever reason yesterday. And and that's going to be the – I kind of think that's the legacy for this class is just kind of didn't get it done, right? So that's kind of what I wanted to get into. They leave with a 6-4 and four postseason record. They had one year where they didn't make the postseason, and that is the only third time in the Bianco era. They had, you know – I mean, how I was listening to Diller talk in the post-game press conference yesterday, and he had he had some really interesting stuff to say in the sense that, like, look, like freshman year we weren't very good. We want we were in some games because we were talented. Sophomore year might have been the best team I've ever played on. You know, that team didn't really do. I mean, didn't really have a stretch where they played bad baseball. He said last he said this year was a mix of both. He said there were times where we looked as dominant as anyone in the country, and times where it looked like we'd never picked up a baseball. And like I know that sounds simplistic, but like I, that's a very accurate way to describe it. I mean, they had some really bad weekends this year and some really good ones. And so that class is just—they did some good things. They they won a lot of big games. They won an SEC West crown. They won an SEC West tournament title. They deserve credit for turning this season around when they could have rolled over. Like I'm I'm not just this class. The team as a whole deserves credit right. for that. But in the end, like not making a trip to Nebraska is a fairly gaping hole in that resume. Absolutely. And uh, you know you and I don't know even, how fair it is. No, it's not fair at all because. And, and I'll get ripped for this. I don't gauge success or failure on uh, on do you make the College World Series. I kind of gauge it on did you put yourself in the best position to make the World Series. And I don't really think that's getting did to a this. super. Well, yes, but but more than that, it's okay. How good is your team, and and what what should you do? Where where should you be seated in the postseason? And to me, and are I you playing like, at home in a super versus right. on the road? Yes, and to me, I felt like this team, look, if they played up to their potential, that game's in Oxford yesterday, and they're playing Oklahoma State, and they're probably going to win. And unfortunately for them, they just didn't play well consistently enough throughout the season, and it puts you in, I'm not going to say an impossible situation because I thought they were going to win, uh, but it's it's a lot tougher going to Fayetteville, Arkansas to try to win Super Regional than it is playing East Carolina in Oxford. No, that's completely fair. I agree with that because I do think while this team was not anywhere as good as last year's team, and I think the loss of the bats of Golson and Fortez were undersold, and the rotation, even though the numbers were the same, like having to replace three guys and the amount of – like to me, the replacing the rotation this year was not necessarily about the talent, but the time that it took to find the right pieces really cost them. Yeah, like the time yeah, it, it took to find the Casey, the time it took to figure out that maybe Zach Phillips kind of mowed through this lineup because they struggled against left-handers and he just looked like Cy Young in the fall. Like it, it was more about the time that it cost them to find the right pieces, more so than the actual production. Because if you, as you've said for a lot this year, the production wasn't that different. Point being, I don't think this team was as quite as good as last year, but I still think it could have been a national seed if it had played up to its potential because it shouldn't have lost to North Alabama. It shouldn't have, it probably should have swept Alabama. It shouldn't have lost at Missouri, even though Missouri's competitive team was like Kentucky. 
Yes, should not have lost two out of three Kentucky. Probably with the state of that Auburn team at the time they played them, shouldn't have lost that. I mean, you can go through it. I'm not and saying they should have won every home series. By state. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a lot of there's a lot there. And Tennessee, and like I'm not going to go in and name every series they lost and be like, well, they should have won that. But there were there was a lot to, left to be desired. And like, yeah. the, I mean, Arkansas State, you know, dropping a game to Tulane and Wright State. Like, yes, those things happen, but like they let it happen too often. And so yeah. to your point, like. Like this team, uh, we'll put. Th- I think the best way to frame it is this: with the talent left on that team, they should not have been a hard two seed heading into Hoover, needing a miraculous run just to get back into hosting. That Absolutely. should never have happened. Yeah, um, and that that's that's the indictment on this team, right? That uh, you have to go on this miraculous, ridiculous run in Hoover just to host. Because look, if if they're not hosting regional, I mean. This we're, this is a completely different story because evidence shows that five doesn't get out of regionals that they don't host and if they don't get out of regional this year. I mean, we're, we're talking about a completely different subject. Oh yeah, I mean, hell, evidence like the, the, there's no evidence to say that it's ever. I mean, that would be something that's never happened before. Yeah. Um. Now, let's no, in saying the, that, the, I mean, it, it, like I'm just for the had they got sent on the road this year after Hoover, I think they probably win last week, but there's no evidence to that because they were playing so well. But, yeah, I mean, no, I don't disagree with that. I think if there's a team to do it, it would have been this right. one. But so, but then you then you got to kind of ask with this group. Okay, why did that happen? Like, why did they lose so many games? Why why were they unable to piece it together? Like, and it's a nuanced thing. Part of it was that just the parts never meshed. Like when they hit well, they pitched it bad. Yeah, you know. Their starting pitching wasn't good enough behind Etheridge the first couple months, and they find Nikhazy, and then they don't hit for a little stretch, and then the last couple weeks the bullpen doesn't get outs, and it really implodes. But really the overall thing here, if, other than the than the, the actual pieces not meshing together, was last year. It just felt like the, the, the disappointment and the – I don't know what you – like the trauma or the shock or whatever you want to call it from that hangover. Monday night last June hung over them, and they weren't able to really like shake the hangover. Because yeah. you mentioned the dynamic of this team earlier saying – and I, I said this since last August, and I'm not like being like, hey, hand up, like I was the first one to do this. I think most people knew this. It created such a strange dynamic that – no matter what, like this team's success doesn't matter. Although we just spent the last minute talking about how its regular season success did matter, but like from a legacy standpoint, I think those kids knew that like nothing mattered until they got to June, and I think that's part of the reason the switch flipped. So it was difficult to stay engaged on a day-to-day basis during a regular season when you know that everything that's going to define you is going to happen in June. So why are you getting up to play North Alabama? Why are you getting up to play Arkansas State? Like, oh, you lost two or three at Missouri? Okay. Like, you know, like it's, it, I, yeah. I, I just no, it's I think they fair. battled a lot of that. Yeah, and it's complacency. Um, and, and yeah, you're absolutely right. That That's why the, this team wasn't a national seed and why they had to go on the road on Saturday. Uh, through Monday, it's uh, they battled a lot of that. Tennessee Tech's kind of still hanging over this program, to be honest with you. And at some point, they're going to have to break the door down and, and kind of get over that day. But it, I don't really think that that day was this year. No, because I think a lot of people thought when they barreled through their own regional again that, okay, you can kind of put Tennessee Tech in the rear view. Well, kind of, but I felt like that was short-lived, like, like them losing in the Super the next week. I don't think anyone's happy they they got through the – their own regional again. That's kind of something you're supposed to do. 
Yeah. And, yeah, so, and, and that's got to start being the norm. Like, you can't just be happy you won your regional. For God's sake, you're supposed to. Like, that, that's not supposed to be an achievement. I mean, it's, it's an achievement. Yeah, it was I, almost I like a that. thank God they didn't get snake bit again type of yeah. thing instead of, okay. Like, like now, if were, they had gotten out of oh, that regional God. this year with Clemson and Illinois, that would have been, oh, been brutal. Somebody likes Swayze on fire, right? That's another thing, though, is is – this path was tailor-made for them to get to Omaha and make a run. They had a oh, horrible yeah. regional. They were – now, granted, Arkansas is a really good baseball club. And yeah, while and I was underwhelmed the with title. their pitching after Campbell, they hit the hell out of the ball. That That's the second – is that not the second – like, take Ole Miss out of the equation. Isn't that the second-best lineup in the SEC outside of Vandy? I mean, yeah, you go Ezel and then you get man, into those four lefties in a row. That's tough. You know what? I could make an argument it's just as good as Vandy's, though. Okay, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> I just – I just that day, I've only seen Vandy once in person, and it was that day in Hoover, and that's probably a bad example because of, you know, who Ole Miss was pitching and what they had left in the tank pitching-wise. But, man, that lineup was one of the better ones I've ever seen in <laughs> person. So, but if you want to make it – if you want to make it 1A and 1B, that's just kind of my point. Yeah. Like, they're a yeah, good yeah. club. And, yeah, absolutely. But what I was trying to get at was not only that, like, you – I know it's on the road, and like almost wasn't supposed to win the series. But then you get to Omaha, your side of the bracket has two, three seeds. Like the pathway was clear. Like it was, yeah. it was good flying conditions. Like they, 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 they had a shot. But yeah, and and for whatever reason, just kind of, and I don't want to say no showed because those kids cared, but just didn't happen for them. And uh, so it kind of just leaves a cloud over this program that. You know, I, I don't know if you if you're an Ole Miss fan if you should readjust your expectations or, or kind of what you should expect from this program at this point. But it's obviously uh, the postseason production's not there to warrant calling this an elite baseball program at this point. So he's one in five in supers, and five of them have gone to a game three. Correct. And I'm not really poking fun at five, but that really is hard to do. Like if you think about it, that's a statistical anomaly. Like it's my some- goodness, that's hard to do. At some point, is it not a coincidence? Well, so that's a whole other issue. This is such a complicated situation because you talk about that not being a coincidence. Well, for the last seven years, when you've said, when you've heard, oh, that's not a coincidence. Well, what has it been? It's because they're too tight and they're a reflection of him in the yes, biggest moment. Absolutely. But that wasn't the case this year. No, it's he be. finally learned. Those teams were they, like, look, that day in the dugout in AM where he looked at his club or whatever and was like, hey, like, you guys heard of rally caps? Like, he didn't say this, but it was basically, let's get this shit going. Like, let's have some <laughs> life here. And it had a residual effect both ways. Like, I think him seeing his kids loose after that helped him. He was joking a lot more. He was smiling a lot more. He was a lot more laid back. And once those kids saw that, I think it had an effect on them and it worked. The problem is they just got beat by a better team this year, but it doesn't help Mike's legacy at all. No, it doesn't. Not one bit. Uh, I mean, it, it, it doesn't hurt it. I, I shouldn't say, but, and it had a chance to really get hurt if that had just kind of flamed out there at the end. So oh, this year I, in a vacuum, this year in a vacuum does not hurt it. It's just no. everything that's led up to it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 kind of tiring uh, you know talking about it because when you're discussing Ole Miss baseball you're not just discussing you know one game or one season like everything has a broader aspect to you know what I mean but it's because I mean it's just I mean it's not a nor- you know it's not a normal situation 
when the team comes up one game short of Omaha and you're talking about one and five and supers and going all the way back to Oh five, like when Texas and Miami and Virginia are still part of the story because the team <laughs> lost a game three super on the road. It's a complicated deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're exactly and right. I was like eight, seven, eight, nine and 11 the last time that happened, but it's still very much part of the story as much as 18 and, I mean, sixteen doesn't really count. It just kind of like sixteen's no. just kind of a cherry on top. Sixteen like, was his best this, coaching job, in my I, opinion. I would agree. I, I think I think you could make an argument for fifteen too, just because yes. getting that team to the postseason because they stunk. But I would agree. It's sixteen. I actually wrote a column for the DM about that at the time because that team wasn't that good, and they won a lot of games, and they should have been a national seed. They had LSU on every metric basically, but uh, LSU wears purple and gold. And has LSU across their chest. It's wild. Yeah, they beat them two out of three. I'm not a conspiracy theorist guy, but like that was that was a tough sell for Ole Miss there. But anyway, so it's just yeah, it's a it's a tough deal. And for like, it's interesting to try to gauge the temperature of the Ole Miss fan base with regards to this because it's so complicated and like you know, in some ways it's psychotic. Like the, the, like I, I feel like they're good genuine people that have get invested in this and have lost sanity over it. I say that somewhat jokingly, but like the split amongst the fan base, like it gives the people that are not in favor of Bianco the whole, well, that he's had one trip in 19 years. Well, on its surface, that's not fair, but there is some credence to that. Like you're a model for consistency and you've been to Omaha once in a decade, in two decades. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, every other SEC program outside of like maybe Missouri, Kentucky has gone to Omaha at least once. I think I think that's accurate after Auburn uh, clinched. So everybody else has gone at least once during the Bianco tenure. Maybe Sands, well, I Alabama. I think everyone else. I think everyone else except Auburn. Everyone else in that group you just named has gone twice, at least. Ooh, Tennessee. Yeah, Tennessee. So, I mean, I can do the quick math in my head because I know the West has uh, Tennessee, South Carolina, Florida, Georgia. But yeah, they have. Wow. Um, yeah, Sands, Auburn. You know, I don't. I think Alabama is the only team that hasn't gone. Them in Missouri and Kentucky, but other, everybody else has gone twice now, except for Auburn. Uh, so, wow. but the thing is, is Bianco's Bianco's legacy and career here is looked at so differently if he goes two and four in supers. It's looked at so differently, if, yeah. If he wins yesterday, yeah, and it doesn't even necessarily have to be yesterday. If he's just two right. and four, if he doesn't go over in the two thousands. Yeah, the problem the problem that Mike has too is is yes, you're right, but man, if he wins like the the game three and oh five or oh nine, he might have a national championship trophy. Well, I guess that's fair too. Um and that team last year was probably good enough to win it. I, that team last year was the best team. I think the last year's team was the best team that, that he's ever had. I thought it was better than the oh five or oh nine team. So now that kind of really I mean, I was trying to get into Mike and all that at once, but we really just kind of hit that all at once. Like, you know, they're going to lose a lot next year. Like, they, it's, Man, like, do you think there's another program in the country that can finish in the top 16? And I'm not saying you're right or wrong. There's not another program in the country, any sport, that can finish in the top 16 and they want to fire their coach, right? Um, Alabama football, maybe? No, I'm trying to think of like a similar thing in other sports because I know Cal- it's out there. Is, is it Calipari where the people at Kentucky are fed up? He doesn't make Final Fours. Obviously, Mike's not had that type of success, but it kind of is the same barometer. That's part of it. It's a little bit 
like if you like if if that's a if that's a bit a level above Mike, one that's yeah. slightly below is Rick Stansberry at State. That that's the perfect comparison to Stansberry. I didn't want to say that, and that that yeah. Like I mean, that's it. There really is though. That's kind of yeah. it, you know he's a product of his own expectations. Never really took the next jump, but at the same time, they've like hosted three out of the last four years. Like from a model of consistency, they're as consistent as it gets. Like particularly in the last five years, six years. Yeah. Just the end result isn't happening. Yeah. I think Stans is, like you said, the, I think he's the perfect comparison. So, like, I mean, what is, like, I, I, don't, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm trying to picture myself in the, like, framework of, a, like, a huge Ole Miss baseball fan. Like, what are you, what are you looking at? Like, what does next year look like? like I, I guess that's what I'm trying to picture. Well, it's another top five recruiting class. Yep. It's another team where you're replacing a lot. I mean, Dillard. Cooper, Olenek, probably Zabowski, definitely Kessinger. Um, you don't think Greg comes back? <laughs> I had someone tweet me the other day asking if there's any chance if Thomas returns for a senior campaign. And I was like, yeah, oh, if buddy. the Brewers forget to offer him, he might. Yeah, I was like, oh, buddy. Um, so <laughs> you're replacing a lot. There's enough back, like, particularly pitching wise. You get Keenan back, you got. You know, Elko's La- got a hit. Elko, Laposter, Bench, like they're guys that are like you think are going to be right, but not a lot of, not a lot of mileage there outside of Keenan. And I mean, I guess you can count Elko. Um, I, I, I can who- tell you kind of quickly how. I mean, if you can tell me two things about how what what these guys do next year, I can tell you how the season goes. If you can give me the OPSs of Dunhurst, Lafleur, and Walsh. And you can tell me who starts game threes on Sunday in the SEC and how they do. I can tell you how the season's going to go. I, I think it really comes down to that. That's fine, but at the same time, that's a lot to be told. Oh yeah, I mean, but it's, but it's see, basically but how is, it a, is it a seventeen scenario where no. yeah, these kids are talented, but it doesn't translate right away because Dillard and Kessinger, who Kessinger won the Brooks Wallace Award today, um, which is very well deserved, hell of a year. But those guys and Cooper as well had awful freshman years. They did. Um, I think these guys are more ready to play uh, than than those guys were. Uh, I think Lafleur, Walsh, and uh, and and who's Dunhurst are going to be much much more likely uh, to come in and produce. I think they've got some JUCO guys and Leatherwood and Baker that can come in and hit. I think there's more options there, and uh, I, I think they're going to hit enough to be a two seed. Uh, and, and if they really really hit, I think there's enough arms there that they could be a back end host. But I, you know. Going into it, I think they're a two seed next year. Um, anything below that would kind of be disappointing. Um. So, well, I mean, if you're a three, like, is it really that big a difference? Well, no. no you're wearing gray that Friday night. Well, I mean, you're playing a better team in, as the two seed, but you shouldn't be a three that's squeaking to get into the tournament. Yeah, that's fair. But so they're losing. So Zach Phillips announced earlier today. Right. Maybe it's fate that we uh we screwed up the. First podcast, we wouldn't have had this nugget. Um, yeah. So Phillips is not coming back. Uh, that's understandable. I, I held out, not held out hope. Like I, I thought there, I, I thought there was a chance he might come back. To you know, maybe he solidifies himself as a weekend guy and ups his stock as a senior. I understand why he's going though. There's not like the ceiling versus what he would lose. Like I get it. Like it makes yeah. sense. Um, I mean, that's really it. Like Roth, maybe. I don't see Crazy. I think Crazy's gone. He's already graduated school. You know, we brought this up earlier in the uh, podcast that died. Um, Rest in peace. 
Yeah, just <laughs> crazy. Like, like if you're Mike, just as a Hail Mary, you're like, hey, man, I'll start you next year. Like, you can really up your stock. Because that's the only way he's upping his stock from the 20-whatever round. What was it 22nd? Yeah. So, like, yeah. that's the only way. It's like, Mike, hey, come be a starter. You throw 95 with gas and you go seven innings or whatever. Like, it'll go up even though you're a senior. I mean, that's kind of not comparably, but that's Isaiah Campbell-ish. Like, you up your stock as a senior. Yeah. No, that's. I think that's how you would get him back to campus. Is, is you tell him, "Hey, look, maybe you're maybe you're a second or third round pick if uh, you start consistently in the SEC and maybe even on Friday night." So, but to be clear, yeah. I don't think that happens. I'm either. just throwing something at the wall that should stick. If I'm Mike Bianco and I'm in, that's my know, selling point. Yeah, that's that. That is, I and mean, it's probably futile. I'm just saying, like, like if you're smart, throw it at the kid. Just, just you know. Hey, well, I do, I do that same thing with Roth, too, though. I'm like, hey, boss, you're the Friday night dude. Well, I actually think there's a more realistic chance that that happens. I, I'm not uh, saying I, I think Roth is coming back, but if you're pitching that to Roth versus Crazy, Roth is more likely to bite. Oh, absolutely, because Roth is the Friday night dude next year if, if he comes back. I mean, that, that's something we probably should talk a little bit. That kid was really, really good over the last two months, like real and good. And it wasn't like, hey, come get me out of the seventh. It was, I mean, he put up four zeros in a launching pad on Sunday. Yeah. Um, against he, a really good offense. And you, you're so Suss pointed this out to me, too. He was on a roll this weekend. Roth put up four zeros and didn't record a ground ball out. I like that. So it had to be a bunch of strikeouts, ball ball right? With that wind blowing out. It was a lot of five balls. Now, granted, when, when that happens on a day like that, it's a little bit of good fortune. But he was nasty. I mean, good, good bit of strikeouts. But, you know, probably some good fortune with some fly ball outs. But he was really good. Like, I, that's – I don't know. But, yeah, no, he's he was really good. Look, he if you take out – if he doesn't trip on the uh, – if he doesn't trip on the mound early in the season and injure his shoulder or whatever that was – He's probably in the rotation. It's probably Etheridge Nikhazy. Like, like he's probably in the rotation somewhere. Yeah, like the only time Etheridge, Roth was bad is when he wasn't healthy. Right. I think at some point it becomes Etheridge Roth Nik- or yeah, Etheridge Roth Nikhazy. And how that team looks a little bit different if Nikhazy get the ball yesterday. Oh yeah, absolutely. And Roth, like, I don't feel like Roth because he came on like later. Like, I didn't feel like Roth necessarily got his due with that. I feel like he was underappreciated a little bit. Maybe I'm oh, wrong yeah. with that. Because his stats don't look good because he was pitching throwing 86, 87 miles an hour because they said the kid had an AC sprain. And it was a little bit more serious than that. Um, so, yeah, it was – he had a really tough start to the year because he wasn't throwing but 85 to 86 miles an hour. And I feel like they kind of rushed it back a little bit too quickly. But, yeah, he – you know, against Georgia in the SEC tournament – I guess Jacksonville State here to close out the regional and in Arkansas. He was really good, and that's why I think it's a loss for Ole Miss if he goes pro. And I do expect him to go pro because he's the guy that that fills the weekend role if he's back next year. So you think he's gone? Twenty ninth round? I, I I mean, yeah, I think, but like, I don't. I'm not don't, disagreeing. I'm just asking. Yeah, I do. Like, because I'd probably be, lean gone too. If you made me bet, yeah, I think he's gone, but I'm not going to bet much on it. Yeah, no, that's fair. By what, 60-40 he's gone? 55-45. Yeah, 70-30? No, 55-40. Okay, yeah, okay. I think it's close. But yeah, okay. I do think – I think he's gone. Honestly, with some kids like that, like with him, like when it's that close, like it comes down to like, are you ready to go play pro ball? Like you mature? Are you sick of school? Are you happy here? Because like, yeah. isn't there – so? don't you have to put some credence in the fact that none of his friends are there anymore? Guys that he's played 1,500 games with like you well, were mentioning earlier? Yeah, I, I agree with that, but also this is his hometown. So, I, I mean, he's got friends here. 
know? Yeah, no, I know. Like, I, I, but you know what I mean. Like, I mean, it's it's probably sure. weird him playing baseball without Greg Kessinger or Gray. Thomas Diller next but year. But you're not going to play with him up there either. So No, I'll yeah, guess. that's true. But, like, if you're not playing with him, why not make money doing it? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Like, I, yeah, I mean, it's just a lot of stuff to weigh. I don't know. It, that'll, honestly, that's the fascinating one because no one else is that realistic. No, I mean, I guess Carice would be the next closest realistic one. Sure, and I would have said Phillips until then. Yeah. But <laughs> so that kind of puts a bow on baseball. I don't really have any other thoughts on that. I wrote some stuff down. Like, that's, I think we covered all the bases there. I mean, that's, that's an yeah. accurate summation yeah. of the season, the program as I can give. Um, yeah. Let's talk about you cussing out an Uber driver. No, I didn't cuss out an Uber driver. So, <laughs> so basically what we're going to start doing, I keep having all these terrible segment ideas that we never finish off. But so I have some travel complaints and I'm not a travel snob. Like I'll do whatever. I'm just happy to be wherever I am. So <laughs> this, this gripe is with an Uber. So on Saturday <laughs> evening, after Ole Miss loses game one, we get our writing done, whatever. Uh, like the Ole Miss, like me, sus, Ben, and Nate and Chase, like we're all like like close, not close, but like you know we're we're all in this together. We're all normal enough. We all go eat together and like you know go drink a couple beers and watch like the night games on Dixon Street. Like watch the state game. Yeah. I think there was a hockey or basketball game. So we go out there Saturday night, and we're at this restaurant, and I run into a buddy of mine that I went to college with that's from around there. Um, and so they leave about like nine 30 or so after dinner. And like, I don't see this guy that often anymore. So like, I was like, I'm going to stay. And he, uh, he was with some friends. So I go sit with them and like, they eat and I'll sit there drinking. And then we, uh, and then we go like, see a band at some place on Dixon street. It was a good time, but like people stay out later there or whatever. They were kind of staying out. They were on a different wavelength than me. They had been at the game all day, like having fun at the game. Right. Um, yeah. So they were wanting to like out, out. And like I stayed till like, oh, what? I probably called this Uber at 1230. Like I was ready to go home. Like the band was winding down. So I get in the Uber and, you know, he takes me home. We make like a little bit of small talk from what I can like, I, I say remember. It's not like a foggy memory. I just don't remember the conversation that <laughs> I had with an Uber driver. Like, you know, so, so like he drops me off. I so what time of day is like, this? Like, can this you give me a rough? Is, this is just after midnight. I think I okay. called it at 1230. I was probably in my room at one. Okay. So, I, like, he drops me off. I get a water and, like, some chips from the little convenience store down there, go up there, eat it, watch some TV, and fall asleep. So, the next night, after Ole Miss wins game two, we kind of do the same thing. We all were like, all right, let's pick a dinner spot. We'll go watch the Blues and the Blackhawks, um, get some food, you know, call it a night or whatever after that. So, <laughs> this Uber picks us up, and, like, I, I think, like, Nick Suss got in the front seat, like, everyone else in the back seat. And like he kind of starts looking at me while like while I'm in the back seat, and then like we get like 30 seconds into the ride, and he starts being like, "Oh, how tanked were you, buddy, last night?" And I was like, "Excuse me," <laughs> and he, I was like, "What?" And he was like, "Yeah, like you don't even remember me, do you?" And I was like, "What are you talking about?" I was like, "Like I was so confused." He's like, "You don't remember me taking you home, do you?" And I was like, "Uh, uh, like now that you say something about it, I kind of like recognize you or whatever." And he was like, yeah, this guy was tanked. He doesn't even remember me driving him home. And I was like, what are you doing, man? Like, you're an Uber driver. Like, we're not friends. Like, I paid you to take me home. And then he, he shows up in me. a different – No, no, yeah, then he shows up in a different car. Like, he was in a different car. So, one, number one, who has two cars registered with Uber? I should have probably called the cops. Well, he, I mean, for, up in, for a second here, you get picked up by the same dude, like, two nights in a row. We're already approaching stalker level here. Yeah, I mean, I get it. Like, they were small, like, I guess small world there. But he picks us up in a different car, 
and then is just offended that I don't remember who he is. And I was like, like I could have been leaving a coffee shop at eight o'clock in the morning with like two espresso shots in me, and he could have picked me up the morning before. I would have no idea who my Uber driver was. If you were in a town for two days and the same Uber picked you up in a different car, would you have any idea who that person is, particularly if you're in the back seat? No, no, not if I'm in the back seat. Like if I'm the only person, in, yeah, probably not. No, I wouldn't. Yeah, so he starts, he starts like giving me the what for about like not remembering who he was and like looking around at like everyone else in the car who's like they think it's hilarious and he's like they're like egging him on and he's just ribbing me about like he's basically using the fact that I didn't remember who he was as being like, yeah, this guy was out of his mind last time. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, were, were you out of your mind, real? No, not in the slightest. Like, I, I came, I was like at 12 30, I was like, man, I'm tired. We got an early day tomorrow. Like, you know. Got some food at the hotel and like walked up. Like it was it was a fun night. I was glad to see some of my friends. That was about that was about it. And he he starts ribbing me. And I was like, you know what, man? Like apparently in big cities now there's a mute feature on Uber. And like I'll tell you what I didn't pay for when I clicked, you know, twelve dollars for the Uber X was to have mom. this guy give me the what for about like me not remembering him at twelve thirty at night. Like, oh yeah, Bill from Springdale. Like who like what is that? I don't understand that. Like, oh God. I wonder yeah, if put uh, a, like, Kyle hold it and drive, buddy. I wonder if he's the guy that uh, posted on the message board that uh, Keith Carter was on the clock. Oh, yeah. So, uh, we we haven't completed the sad message board post. But wrapping that up, that just <laughs> – that, that really chapped my ass. Like, he's, like, trying to act like, like I was, like, out of my mind and, like, being raucous. Like, in front of, like, Chase and all them. Like, like, like not coworkers. Who are laughing. Collie's here cracking up, but still, like, he's like, yeah, like, trying to use an excuse that I was just out of my mind because I don't remember who the Uber driver was. Like, what the hell? We're not friends. This was a business. Like, I paid you to take me home. We're not buddies. That's what, that's what so, he freeze told his business employees, too. Jesus. And so, yeah, that was my number one gripe. My second one was the, uh, you go into a crowded restaurant or a bar, and there's just, like, a half-centimeter layer of water, and you're not sure if, like, a toilet's flooded or like the sink is leaking or just enough drunk dudes have missed the toilet. Like, how do you let that happen in a bathroom, man? Particularly at a restaurant. Like the one I was at wasn't even a bar. It was eight o'clock at night at a say, restaurant. Something like I needed, a nice like, place. Yeah, I needed like duck waiters to get to the urinal. Like how does how do you let that happen? You're going like, through the rainforest to pee. Yeah, like I've lived in houses with less clean bathrooms than most public bathrooms. I'm not like walk asking for a lot here, just like you know. Keep it from flooding. I don't understand yeah, you, that. It's disgusting. You lived in a fraternity house, right? You can handle a lot. Uh, luckily, I never lived in there. Oh, I've didn't? been in a couple, but yeah, like I just, I, I'm not asking for a lot. Just like, don't make me wade through some water to go to the bathroom. So oh, that's goodness. all the complaints I got. After so, after getting told you didn't have a seat on on Saturday, you had a uh, weekend. Yeah, that was uh, that was not. I've had some good road trips. That was uh, that was not one of them. And I like people, but like, meter relations not great. You know, I got an Uber driver ribbing me about, like, not remembering who he was as if we had, like, gone to college together. Like, honestly, that was the next thing I was waiting for him on to be like, hey, yeah, it's Chris from college. Like, what the hell, man? (laughs) Chris from college. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) That's about all I got. So, yeah, the message board post. So, we never did the sad message board post thing, but Chase looked at me yesterday while we were waiting on Bianco. I was like, look at this thread I got going on. He's like. Somebody posted, Keith Carter's now on the clock. Like, oh, buddy, what do you, like, and this is clock. not a shot at Keith Carter. Like, I, like, no, he, no, I, no, I think no, he's like going to do a fine job. But it's like, what do you, like, the intern guy's going to fire the longest tenure coach at the school? Like, I like, I like I'll how, have what uh, you're having, Chief. 
Well, my, my favorite thing is like, okay, you're going to fire Mike. Keith's going to fire Mike. Well, Keith's going to go hire somebody. <laughs> like, there's a lot more that goes into this than yeah, giving Mike right. some pink slips. <laughs> See, that's one of those times I don't post on message boards. I've kind of perused them more frequently now that like I have that like account or whatever. And like, I look at them sometimes. But that may, like, this is what it makes it. I'm not creative enough or like, I guess, dedicated enough to do it. But that's what I wish I had a satirical one where I'd be like, comment on it back completely agree and if he's not larry sparks has to go <laughs> larry sparks is now on the clock and then if not we we'll get sparks. phil bryan and trump <laughs> trump trump's now going to fire mike bianca yeah the executive action so like, i just i don't get how people think sometimes i don't think that's what it is though i think it's the absent of thought like that guy's posting that just pissed off and there's no chance he's ever thought that out right zero shot <laughs> No, I don't think the the, the fella thought out uh, Keith Carter firing Mike Bianco and then hiring a coach. I don't I don't think the man wrote that one out. Or woman, or woman. It's twenty nineteen. She can't be. Sexy. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, so that's about all I got. We had a hell of an NBA Finals game last night. Yeah, yeah. Sort of. Um, Kate, Katie tore his Achilles. I presume that's official. Yeah. So. That was one of the weirder finals games I've ever seen, honestly. And I watched it pretty much start to finish because I got back to the hotel right after the start. It's like not much going on. So I watched pretty much all of it. So like he comes back and he's like sensational for the first, I don't know, 14 minutes or something like that. You know, gets hurt again. The Toronto fans start cheering that he's hurt, which like that's pretty much consumed hot take television today. Like that's not a great (laughs) look, but like. You can't tell me when they're pumped up that the guy who is Golden State's last shot is kind of like down for a second. Like they don't know his career's potentially altered from that. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not going to bat for him. Like it's a bad right. look, but like like I was watching like people like like on first take and stuff like ca- character assassinate like the fans in the building. Just like slow your roll a little bit. Like they're liquored up, they're being dumb. Like let's let's not character assassinate these people over this. And then they kind of pissed the Warriors off. Like, Clay Thompson was visibly upset. So was, uh, I think it may have been Quinn Cook or Jordan Bell. Like, they were pissed off. They were, like, waving at the crowd being essentially like, that's kind of bullshit. Um, then Toronto has this. said that. Yeah, no, he said he definitely said that afterward. So Durant, like, limps off or whatever, and he's done. And then Golden State holds a lead for literally the entire game. Toronto had an awful night shooting. They were, like, 6 of 28 from three-point range at one point. And they keep chipping away, but Golden State keeps holding the lead. And then Kawhi, with like four minutes left in like robot killer mode, was like, all right, I'm done with this. Scores 10 straight points in like in a matter of like four possessions, just ridiculous shots. Uh, Toronto goes up six, and then Nick Nurse, Toronto's coach, inexplicably calls a timeout. One of the worst timeouts I've ever seen. They're up six. The building is literally about to cave in. Like they're going to win the title. There's like 240 left, and he calls timeout. <laughs> he needed to talk some strategy. So it's 103 to 97 at that point, and they scored two more points. Yeah, they closed the game on a 9-2 run. Clay makes two threes. Steph makes a gigantic three. It's probably three of the biggest, bigger threes than they've made in any of their playoff runs. Nine-two run to close the game. They hold them scoreless for the last two and a half minutes, essentially, other than a layup, and they win 106-105. And like. That was one of the gutsiest wins I've ever seen because I don't think there's any team. I was listening to Russillo and Bill Simmons' podcast on the way home today, and they made a good point. I don't think there's any great team in the last half decade that wins that game. 
Like every other great team in the NBA loses that game. You lose your best player. Kevon Looney's out. You got nothing going your way. The buildings are out ready to go down, and you close the game on a 9-2 run and win that game somehow. Yeah, it was impressive. It, it really was. You lose your best player, a uh, guy that you thought you've had back, and you know he has that devastating injury. So they've made it a series now because I think if, if this thing goes seven, it's all bets are off at that point. Yeah, see, that's the thing is I don't think I don't think they have the, I don't think Golden State as constructed has the horses to beat Toronto twice. But at the same time, if they win at home, it's kind of all bets are off in the game seven. So like if they yeah. get it to seven. Like, like, like in a vacuum, like, I don't think they have the, the firepower to beat them two more times, but like you get it to you, all you have to do is win an Oracle, then you get it to a seven and who knows? Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm saying. I mean, you get it to game seven and, and that thing's going to be in Toronto and it'll be loud, but it's, those people are going to be tight and that team's going to be tight. Yeah. Cause like conventional wisdom would tell you that they can't do it. But then again, yeah. it's like really all you have to do is win one and then like literally adrenaline and emotion and like. All kinds of other stuff comes into play because, yeah, at that point, like game seven in Toronto, like, I mean, the Warriors are up nine, ten at halftime. That place is like probably getting ready for their own funeral, like between the bad karma of cheering Durant to holy shit, we're about to blow this three one lead like that. That could get weird. Yeah. So and I think it's going to I mean, I I think they win at Oracle guess Thursday and we get a game seven and it's going to be fun. Yeah, honestly, this has been one of the weirder but more fun finals in a while because, like, it's like this incredible dynasty that's been the underdog the entire time because of injuries, which is weird. This entire series, they've been the underdog, even though they're probably the greatest basketball team we've ever seen. Like, how does that make any sense? <laughs> no, you're right. You're right. Uh, so, yeah, the the, the villain uh, Warriors are now the underdogs. It's uh, it's But something. they, like, are. Like, you've watched yeah. every single one of these games. Even that game two game they won – if they hadn't had that 16-0 run to come out in half where Toronto just kind of lost its mind, like they might not have won game two and it could have been a sweep. Like I really <laughs> felt like Toronto's been the better team in every game, which is just insane to think about. Yeah, but you're but you're right. Um, especially without Durant. So yeah, it's it, last night was crazy and, and you know, Thursday's gonna be probably just as crazy. Uh, you know, we'll get to see what they'll look like. Obviously, they've played without Durant for a month now, but now they're there's no possibility of home coming back. That thought's over. So, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be fascinating on Thursday. So that's about all I got. We got the Stanley Cup tomorrow night, Wednesday night. Yeah, so we got that. Some other stuff. So we'll be back at it Friday. We need to. Uh, so we got we're back at Mailbag Friday again, right? So yeah, yeah. This is your reminder if you're listening and you're not on the internet to like, you know, email, text, carrier, carrier pigeon, pigeon, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You know, send me one of those grams where they, I answer the door and the guy like judo kicks me and then hands me a package. Whatever you want to do. Telegram. Like, just, yeah. yeah. Send your mailbag questions in by Friday. We'll do a reminder on Thursday. In all likelihood, we'll forget and do it 30 minutes before the podcast again. But uh, that uh, we'll be back at it mailbag Friday. And then we got to be thinking of stuff, man. This summer's going to get dull. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah we're both, both, both creatives over here. Yeah, so all in the name of content. We'll have you covered over the next couple weeks, but that's all I got for today. Sounds good. Sounds good.
So for Colin Brister, I'm Brian Scott Rippey. We'll be back at it on Friday. Thank you for listening. Oh, like and subscribe. I keep forgetting to That's say right. that. That's um, right. Yeah, you're not a professional podcast, so if you don't say yeah. that. And now, see, now we're when the listeners are going to get tested because our numbers shot up. Please tell us it wasn't because the baseball team is in the postseason. Like, please <laughs> let our numbers continue to go up. Uh, yes, in all please keep listening. Yeah. Thank you for listening. It's been awesome. It's grown way faster than I thought. Please, like, tell your friends about it. Um, I don't know why you would do that, but, like, please lie to them. <laughs> tell them we're cool. Um, like and subscribe, and we will keep coming with it. So for Colin Brister, I am Brian Scott Rippey. We'll catch you on Friday for Mailbag Friday. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.